Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Jacob, um, 
We're, let's start the show with what happened today. Uh, Matt Nagy had a had a, a, a apparently it was a Zoom uh, press conference, um, and he spoke about a lot of things. He spoke about the uh, the Bears being very supportive of anyone who uh, has opted uh, to sit out the season. The Bears uh, luckily only have two so far. Of course, the big news was. Eddie Goldman, uh, Jordan Lucas, a defensive back uh, out of uh, Penn State, is the second one. And if I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken, tomorrow is the deadline for for opt-outs. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that is correct. So in in his press conference uh, earlier today, uh, he talked about a lot of what the Bears are doing. Uh, to not only support the the players but educate them about this virus, and you know, obviously, first and foremost is wear a mask and be socially distant, and take care of yourself when you're outside of the facility. But they've done some incredible things inside the facility as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we we heard Andre Tucker detail it in the last big press conference and I think Nagy is just sort of you know talking about things as uh, rubber meets the road um, as as they get things ramped up here and they're doing walkthroughs with the rookies and uh, the veterans uh, came back I believe yesterday and one of the things that <clears throat> was highlighted by uh, a lot of uh, Bears reporters that were listening to it was the uh, shape that the players uh, came back in which uh, for the most part has been great um, you know, especially uh, everybody's noticing James Daniels looks like he's put on a lot of good weight and uh, Nagy singled out uh, Corderell Patterson and Akeem Hicks uh, both looking uh, really fit. So obviously that's good uh, to hear. Uh, one of the things I, I think that was good that he said, uh, somebody asked him, uh, or I'm not sure how it was phrased, but I think somebody asked him, you know, do you act like everybody has the virus and he said no I, I prefer to think of it as act like you have it and then you know try to have your mentality be that you don't want anybody else to get sick um and you know i think that that was you know sort of a good way to flip it into like a, a personal responsibility but also being uh good for the for the group uh, so, you know, I mean, it wasn't, it's encouraging. Um, that's how I'll put it that way. I still think there's a, a fair amount of people that are, you know, kind of have a, a, a glass half empty uh, approach to this. But that's one thing I'll say about Nagy is that he is extremely consistent with having the glass half full uh, approach. And, you know, right now it's great. I mean, you know, when he talks, uh, I feel good about the team. And it, it, so that's, that's always a good thing. Jacob, what were your thoughts of, of um, everything that Nagy had to say today? Uh, I will say that uh, singling out uh, two players on the roster for being in good shape, I think is particularly interesting, uh, not because of the fact that he said that players are in good shape, uh, because that's, you know, that's typical coach talk, I think, you know, saying, oh, we're in good shape, you know, the guys are looking good. But to individually single out two guys, I think, says a lot more than the traditional, you know, cliche. Uh, and Akeem Hicks, especially considering he's been listed recently as high as 350 pounds, and he carries that weight really well. 
I don't know necessarily if he's lost weight since then uh, or if he's just, you know, converted even more of that weight to uh, lean muscle. But either way, he's got a massive frame. And uh, for him to stand out in particular is interesting. Cordero Patterson, I'm not so surprised about because I remember at training camp last year seeing him in person for the first time and just being in awe of how huge he is, you know, not only from a height standpoint, uh, but from a bulk standpoint, he's like six two, close to two thirty. Uh, so that in particular doesn't surprise me at all that he looked in good shape, but that, uh, in particular, uh, interested me because he, uh, Nagy took a little bit of a cliche that coaches tend to use. And he put a bit of a personal touch on it, which I thought was, a little bit out of the norm. So for him to, you know, specifically speak up about those guys in particular, I think said a lot. Another person that he uh, mentioned in the press conference, and this all ties in together with how, how well conditioned pretty much everybody he saw. And of course he, he pointed out Patterson and Akeem Hicks. And as Aaron mentioned earlier, uh, Anybody who was anybody around Lake Forest when the veterans started returning to to, uh, to camp as they rolled in was uh, Daniels. He absolutely looked amazing. He lost a lot of uh, dead weight and gained a lot of uh, lean muscle, and he looked like just a, a a man as opposed to you know a college kid that he basically still is. Or still was because he's what he's just a couple months removed from his 21st birthday, is he not? Right, he's but very still, young. So, um, you know, Coach Nagy took it upon himself to give a shout out to the the head strength and conditioning coach Jason Lascalzo. Uh, so obviously, Jason is on the phone and doing Zoom meetings with all of his his guys on the team to make sure they're adhering to workouts. And apparently it, uh, it has paid dividends in a big way. I think that with James Daniels, uh, I think that's particularly intriguing because if you watch James Daniels this past season, I mean, obviously there's still potential there and there's still plenty of room for him to grow. But the big weakness was his lack of play strength. He's an athletic guy and he's smart. It's just a matter of playing with that tenacity that's needed uh, to compete in the trenches in the NFL. So I mean, we'll see how this translates to uh, whether he's able to improve his play strength, add a little bit more of a nasty edge to his game, because I think that's truly the next step. If he wants to be a true long-term piece for that offensive line, I think that adding some strength to his frame is key for him. So ha- having him uh, show up to camp looking bigger and shedding was, you know, essentially, like you said, some of that baby fat, cause he's still, you know, he was 20 years old when he was drafted. So he's, you know, that puts him probably around like 22 right now. So yep, he, um, I'm looking on the Bears uh, website and the roster has him at 22. Okay. Yeah. So he's still, you know, incredibly young. There are some rookies from this 2020 draft class who are older than he is. So he's, you know, had a little bit of time to uh, adjust to the NFL game. And now he's getting his body in shape. Uh, at least in better shape than it already was, which I think if that translates to on the field play can be really, uh, can be real, really good thing for a bears offensive line that kind of struggled along the interior. That could solidify the left guard for the next, you know, seven or eight, maybe 10 years, 
the the one position they did talk about during the press conference was uh, on the other side of Cody White here, and that's right guard. And uh, he was asked about uh, the competition between Ifedi and Coward. And uh, a few episodes ago, Aaron and I were going over uh, our our way too premature picks for our 53-man roster. And I literally had uh, Coward on the practice squad and not making the 53-man team. Yeah, I thought it was weird. I mean, I guess he was just taking the, the question literally, and he just, you know, the, the, I think it, I can't remember who it was that asked him, but, you know, they, they just mentioned those two names, and he went with those two names, and he talked about how he, they like both of them. And obviously, Fadi's a veteran, and Coward is a young guy. And I, I, also, I was sitting there like, what about Alex Bars? <laughs> you know, I mean, I still, I still think everybody is sort of has that thought of like, what about Alex Bars? I mean, they paid extra money to keep him around. He looked good in the preseason, and then he just got buried on the roster or on the practice squad or wherever he was. You know, he didn't get on the field. So, I mean, I, I still I still have a hard time imagining Coward being a guy who sees a lot of playing time um, this upcoming season. Now, and I know that uh, maybe Castillo will hopefully install a style that fits him a little bit better um, because he seems like a guy who definitely wants to get out there and, and maul and, and be on the move. But I, I, I still am wondering, you know, where Alex Bars fits into all of this. Jacob, do you have any thoughts on Alex Bars? If he's going to, going to, going to surface into the, the uh, Bears uh, plans this season? Yeah, truth be told, I'm not 100% sure what Alex Barr's role would be if he has one on the roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think I did like him uh, as an undrafted signing. Uh, I believe last year now it is already. Uh, but, you know, obviously you didn't really see the field uh, this past season. And you look at the guys they brought in. They brought in Jermaine Effetti. He's going to, you know, compete with Rashad Coward. Uh, possibly beat him out for that right guard position. You got Jason Spriggs, who can be uh, a potential swing tackle. I think those two guys, uh, well, potentially Rashad Coward, if we're talking bench guys, Coward and Spriggs are probably going to be the two top bench offensive linemen. Spriggs for his athletic ability uh, and potential uh, to, you know, maybe tap into a little bit of that upside that he had as a second round pick that Green Bay maybe wasn't able to tap into. Uh, and then Coward for his experience in the system and ability to play guard or tackle. I do think Alex Bars is going to make the roster. I know that some people have uh, spoken on Twitter that they don't necessarily think there's a spot for him. I disagree with that. I think that as far as the rest of the offensive linemen go, you look at the two seventh rounders, uh, they're still plenty raw, and I don't necessarily think they'll be able to beat out Alex Bars. Uh so I think Alex Bars is kind of a guy you have on the active roster at the time. Uh, maybe they won't play him and keep him active on game day. They'll uh, you know, just keep him and uh, do like a healthy scratch or whatnot. But I think that's what Alex Bars' role is. Uh, he's a guy you can play potentially uh, either guard spot or maybe have him at tackle too if you want. But, yeah, that's what I think the role is for him. I don't know necessarily if they're going to give him a fair shot at that right guard position. Well, uh, you know, 
the the other thing that I was thinking about about it is that it just it just really remains to be seen how how this all will take shape with regards to the roster, but the practice squad rules, and I know we're going to get into that a little bit. I think could mean we you know we see a little more of all of these guys um, because we are you know we are going to have an expanded practice squad, and I know that the offensive linemen are going to be allowed to be shuffled up and down, so we'll see how that goes. So let's get into uh, the the difference in rules for this year's practice squad, and then we'll finish up with our other talking points in the second half of the show. But um, you know, your your I believe it was your counterpart Lester wrote an article yesterday detailing the uh, the changes uh, and the the rules for the for the practice squad for this year. So Jacob, uh, why don't you uh, uh, give us an inkling? as exactly what's going to happen. I, there's something about uh, there's like four players that can you can protect um, from Tuesday until game day so they can't be taken off your squad. Uh, and then you have veterans, I believe, that, that uh, you can make the practice squad where before there was, el- there was eligibility requirements. If you were too... My two, if you were, you had too much veteran years of service, you couldn't be on a practice squad. So, uh, Jacob, run us through exactly what the practice squad rules are for this year. Yeah, so they're going to be expanding practice squads from 10 to 12 people this year. Uh, and down the line, there are talks of potentially making that even bigger. Uh, granted, those discussions came before the virus, and I have a feeling that, you know, loss in revenue might affect that a little bit might affect uh, exactly how much cap room each team's going to have for their practice squad. But as of now, that's the ultimate goal. Uh, like you mentioned, the, uh, on Tuesdays before game day, teams do have the opportunity to you know, basically protect four players on their practice squad and uh, make sure the other teams aren't able to poach them and sign them onto their own active roster. Uh, I know that there's some sort of... Uh, protection as far as uh, unlimited uh, years of service that you can have with men on the practice squad. You can only have, uh, I believe it was two to three years of service prior to the new CBA rules, and then you were no longer practice squad eligible, but now you're allowed, I don't have the exact number off the top of my head, but you're allowed a certain amount of players with any experience at all. Uh, so that could affect the Bears if they want to bring in Tyler Bray because he wouldn't have been eligible this year under the old rules, but now he is. Uh, and again, I don't know the exact number of players you can have under that off the top of my head. That would be something I'd have to check up on. But it allows for much more versatility with the players that you can add onto your practice squad uh, and the type of guys that you can you know, potentially keep around that otherwise might not have been able to lengthen their NFL careers for that long. We did see also this past week um, the uh, return of uh, Artavis Pierce uh, and Eric Saubert, and they uh, let go Napoleon Maxwell. So that sort of uh, changed the running back room back to what we thought it might be. Um, you know, with Ryan Nall still being in there and then, uh, you know, them adding uh, Saubert back as another tight end. 
Um, so we're, you know, we've seen some more activity uh, this past week with regards to that uh, COVID. Uh, reserve list. Uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting, not Bears related, but there was kind of a dust up in Detroit about uh, Stafford actually uh, being on that list and receiving a false positive. Um, so he he and his wife, you know, and family were pretty upset with the Lions over that. Um, you know, because they believe that it was basically the test was mishandled and, you know, everybody kind of freaked out. And then, you know, he got tested again and he didn't have it. And then it came out that he was, uh, you know, given a false positive. And um, so it's been sort of interesting that, you know, that with the with that list, you know, because it basically means that you could have come into contact with someone who had it and had to be quarantined. You could have had it yourself, which they don't necessarily tell you. Um, you know, and then they have to have a series of negative tests before they're able to return to the team. But you've seen, you know, um, John Jenkins uh, come off of that list and, and join uh, the team. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that sort of affects things uh, moving forward and then whether or not, you know, they'll sort of decide to keep guys even further separated. N Nagy did talk also about how, you know, they're doing the, the big meetings in the Walter Payton um, Center. So, you know, you have basically 100 people, he said, spread out over that 120 yards so they could be, uh, you know, properly distanced and whatnot. So I, th I think that the Bears do have a, a great uh, advantage and that they have this great new facility. Um, so they're not only going to you know, benefit from uh, the fitness that uh, they're able to get at that at that center, but they're also, you know, I think uh, uniquely equipped to deal with uh, the health and safety that they're faced with this season as well. So, yeah, Jacob, I'm sorry, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Now, I was just going to say that I agree with that. I think that having your own facility and having the ability to kind of contain your players uh, is, you know, helpful. I mean, we've seen what happened with, the NBA, the bubble that they're having, they haven't had any positive tests in a while. Uh, and while the NFL hasn't adopted that bubble strategy, I think that having your own facility uh, and practicing in the same place and having meetings in the same place and having that all, you know, going on in the exact same place every time uh, your team headquarters are the same as practices are the same as training camps. I think that's pretty helpful and kind of limits the spread to some extent. I mean, it's football. It's a contact sport. I think it's going to be very tough to completely eliminate the spread, especially considering they don't have a bubble or anything. And they, I don't know necessarily what individual team rules they have for the bears of any, but I do think that the organization is doing what they can right now. And they seem to be doing a decent enough job. Uh, I don't know for sure whether the, the three players who have been on the reserve COVID list have actually had COVID or they've been in contact with them. There's a little bit of uh, a little bit of gray area there in how that's designated. But yeah, I have to agree. I think that all things considered the bears are doing, you know, the best job that they, you know, could given the circumstances and the restrictions. One thing that, uh, that they talked about with this uh, deadline um they they really haven't uh, said if can you can you opt out after the deadline S to give an example um, in baseball uh, just recently when the when the Brewers 
series against the Cardinals because the Cardinals had some players uh, test positive for COVID. Uh, Lorenzo Cain, their their star center fielder, all of a sudden decided uh, that's it. I'm done. I'm not going to be. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to put myself and my family at risk any longer. And he opted out for the the rest of the season, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that the NFL is going to have to eventually end up uh, implementing that as well, because once you know competition starts, the you know odds are stronger that you know COVID is going to be passed from player to player. Uh, I mean, and we don't know for sure because we haven't seen actual competition go on between, you know, different groups of teams and different teams rather. Uh, But I I ultimately think the NFL is going to have to do that because uh, if things get too out of control and the NFL still wants to keep pushing, I mean, I have a feeling players are going to be, you know, uncomfortable if such a situation were to arise. Uh, And I think it would only make sense. Uh, from you know a player safety standpoint to implement that they haven't yet we'll see if they end up doing that uh but that's just my opinion on it i think that you know regardless i think they'll end up having opportunities for players to opt out in the middle of the season so we've got uh you know i think aaron touched base on this earlier it's one of our other talking points we wanted to discuss is the Bears no longer have anybody on their COVID reserve list. So uh, that's uh, actually a good sign that the, the, the coaches and the, the uh, strength and conditioning and, and medical team have really got the message across to these young players. And, and let's face it, you know, you're talking with, you know, you know, the majority of your roster is less than 28 years old. You know, and some are kids, really, you know, at 21, 22 years old. But the message is clear. Take care of yourself uh, so you can we can have a season this year. So they did just sign an agreement. Uh, this is from NFL.com um, that does address the uh, post deadline opt outs. So the deadline, again, is tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, but. It says on this article from NFL.com, while the deadline for players to opt out of the season is set for Thursday, the deal the NFL and the NFLPA finalized will also permit players to opt out later in two specified situations due to family or medical circumstances, Pelissero reported. Those two ways are a player gets a new diagnosis, he has a high-risk condition, or the player's family member dies is hospitalized or otherwise moves to a medical facility because of COVID-19 or a related condition. Another resolution of note is that any player who is defined as high risk, including undrafted free agents and players who did not earn accredited season in 2019, qualify for the same $350,000 stipend if they opt out of the 2020 season, Sarah reported. So it looks like if they get sick, somebody in their family gets sick and requires hospitalization, you know, like an emergency uh, situation, then they are going to be able to opt out, um, you know, after the case. I mean, ultimately, it's really, you know, a sort of callous as it sounds like it comes down to a money issue. Uh, I don't think that the NFL's, you know, going to 
penalize a player if they say, hey, I, I can't do it anymore. It's, I can't do the risk anymore. But it's just whether or not they're going to get any money um, beyond that. So it looks like they have agreed to that. Uh, and so we'll just wait and see uh, if any more players are opting out. I know that I read that um, Stefan Gilmore seems to be weighing uh, it, you know, whether he's going to come back, you know, that's a pretty high, high profile one. And then, you know, you were talking about the, the bears having nobody on the list. And then recently Doug Peterson, the coach of the Eagles um, was tested positive and he's asymptomatic, but he's going to be uh, working remotely uh, for a while. So it'd be interesting to see. Um, you know, it's one of the things I do, I do feel good about Nagy because he does seem like a guy who is really good at sort of rolling with the punches. Um, and so it's, it's good to have, you know, sort of two young, uh, forward thinking guys like Pace and Nagy, uh, at the helm of this, um, you know, back when, like back when Fox was the coach, you know, the bears were noted for having a pretty antiquated training and, uh, you know, facility and, you know, health and uh, training was, was uh, of a lower priority um, than it certainly has been with Nagy and uh, Pace. Absolutely. Uh, Jacob, um, it's been, uh, I, I've got, uh, I've got work related things that I have to do during the week and, and uh, I, I've been away from Twitter more than I would really like uh, during the last few days. Uh, so the question I have for you is, uh, and, and maybe Aaron, you can address this as well, but are there any more opt-outs of note around the league? Yeah, we had some surprises earlier, but I, I haven't really heard of any, any, uh, any surprises on that list over the last few days. Yeah, I mean, I think over the past few days, there haven't necessarily been too many big ones. In my opinion, the biggest opt-out was a little while ago. That was uh, Dante Hightower, the linebacker of the Patriots. Uh, New England had a bunch of different guys opt out, like Marcus Cannon, Patrick Chung stand out as a couple of guys uh, off the top of my head who opted out. So they got hit, I believe, harder than any other team as far as opt-outs go. Uh, I know Michael Pierce, the defensive tackle for the Vikings, he opted out, which that's probably – you know, another one of the biggest ones out there. I think him, Goldman, and Hightower are arguably the three biggest opt-outs to this point uh, because Pierce is probably one of the best run stuffers in the league along the interior defensive line, and Minnesota doesn't really have too much else at that position right now. Uh, other than them, I'd say Damian Williams, the running back for the Chiefs. Uh, but all this, is, you know, it happened relatively a couple days ago. Uh my guess is we're going to see more roll in potentially tomorrow, right before the deadline. Uh, I think that's a very real possibility. We see a handful of, you know, big notable names. I remember uh, Tredavious white was someone who I remember uh, recently expressed. He wasn't hundred percent sure if he's going to come, you know, back to play. Uh, and if that happens, that's a huge loss for the bills. Uh, so no one necessarily too, notable over the past couple of days. Most of them happened uh, around a week ago, but my guess is that changes uh, either in the wee hours of Wednesday night here or at some point Thursday. Yeah. Looking at, uh, I found a, I actually found a list on 
CBS Sports, uh, the Patriots have lost one, two, three, four, five, six, eight different players uh, that that opted out for the year by far, far and away, uh, leading any any other team. Uh, so, you know, we actually joked about this on a on a previous episode, saying that. Uh, once Brady left, nobody wants to play for Belichick anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, and I don't know if we talked about it on a previous episode or not, but I thought, you know, Devin Funches, you know, who was literally the only Packer wide receiver acquisition, he opted out. Um, you know, so even less to work with uh, for Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I was just reading an article um, just now that apparently John Gruden told the Raiders team that that he had coronavirus just to gauge their reaction as some sort of like a weird test. Uh, it's on it's on Pro Football <laughs> Talk and it's in the New York Post. It just it's like I don't know. I mean, teams are definitely getting creative as far as how they're handling this. And, you know, there's also going to be some, there's also a series of fines that have been agreed to for, um, you know, not wearing masks. I've read that there is uh, something of a snitch line, the way that the NBA bubble has um, so that players will be able to anonymously report if they see people who are violating, Um, you know, I think one of the things that's interesting is like, you know, on the one hand, the, the, the NFL games are obviously going to be much, much higher risk because it's almost impossible to avoid, you know, uh, spreading uh, droplets to each other in, in a football game. But they only play once a week. So that's a good thing. But that also means that they've got six nights, <laughs> you know, to potentially go out and you know, be infected. Uh, some of the teams for training camp, I think the saints and maybe the, uh, I'm not sure the bucks have, uh, done their own sort of hotel bubble for training camp. Uh, and, uh, JJ, you know, asked, uh, JJ Stankovitz, I believe asked Nagy if they would consider doing something like that. And he said, you know, not at this time, if they felt good about what they were doing and just instilling, uh, this, you know, personal accountability, uh, to keep everybody safe, uh, on their own, on their own recognizance. You know, obviously it, this is, you know, uncharted waters for everybody, uh, in the league, all, all 32 teams. And, and, uh, you know, I think didn't, didn't Nagy mention that, you know, everything's on the table, regardless mm-hmm. of, of whether they're doing it or not. If they need to go to a bubble, they will. So I, right. I, I really appreciated the uh, the honesty and the flexibility that the organization is showing uh, when it comes to you know this epidemic or pandemic or whatever kind of demic you want to talk you want to call it. But uh, one thing is for sure. Um, when when Nagy and Pace uh, had their presser, uh, was it a week ago when when the guys first started coming to camp, and now Nagy's presser today? Uh, I've been impressed with what the organization has done to stay ahead of this problem. So hopefully, it won't become a problem during the year. Yeah, like I said, I mean, it gives you hope at least. You know, I think we were at the point where we were kind of thinking, you know, a couple, three weeks ago, gosh, it sure seems like the NFL 
has no plan. And the NFLPA was sort of saying that. And I mean, I think they're doing as, as best they can, you know, um, and uh, I do think that we're, you know, at this point in time, if I was going to bet, I would bet there there is a season. And for the most part, it's a full season. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be hiccups um, along the way. Um, but, you know, I think they, that they're going to go on. Um, I, I The only thing that I really am more most legitimately worried about is the roster size. Uh, I just, you know. I just think like you could you know, potentially have an entire, I mean, it was like the Buccaneers this past, I think this past week at were at one point where they had no running backs, you know, and then they kept picking up more running backs because, you know, they were, they were, they, all their running backs were either opted out or on uh, that COVID list. So, you know, I think that they're going to have to consider, you know, sort of sequestering guys, you know, and maybe, you know, I don't know. It could be quarterbacks or, or you know, backups. And I just, I don't know what extent they're going to have to go to that. But what you don't want to have is an entire position group get decimated at once, and then you have, you know, you're playing guys from the practice squad who've never played. So Jacob, when you take a look at this um, practice squad rules, you know, with these four players that that each team can name every Tuesday that are untouchables, you realistically have a 57 man roster um, for, uh, for each week. Yeah. And I think that that's going to be especially interesting because the bears will be able to like truly designate players that they see as truly developmental guys that they want around in the long term. Uh, we could potentially uh, avoid a situation of, like that of Kareth White, where you draft him in the seventh round, uh, and then you put him on the practice squad, and another team picks him up. Uh, again, we don't know necessarily how highly they viewed Kareth White in the long run, but if they have a guy that they truly like like that, uh, I think that would be uh, smart to put that designation on him. Uh, a couple guys that come to mind off the top of my head, Steven Denmark, I think could be interesting, because He's another one of those developmental projects who's got the physical tools, but he's a bit raw. You can prevent another team from stealing him up. Uh, there are some other guys, maybe uh, Artavis Pierce. If he doesn't make the roster, that can be a guy they can keep around. They can put a designation on him, or maybe just you know one of the receivers that they have. If they don't, if they want to keep, if they don't have a spot on the main roster for Javon Wims or someone like that, they could put him on the practice squad, keep that designation. I agree. The Bears do essentially have a 57-man roster this year, and I think that's going to be uh, extremely interesting to see how they use that. Any surprises that you've seen so far from, uh, you know, obviously they haven't started scrimmaging and, and really working out. It's more, it's more been st- strength and conditioning. But is there, are there any surprises uh, that you've seen so far uh, at Lake Forest? Uh, off the top of my head, not necessarily. Uh, I do think that going back to the press conference a little bit, Nagy was talking about players that he wants uh, to have some significant roles in their rookie season. And one of them he mentioned, uh, along with the two second-round picks, Cole Komet and Jalen Johnson, was Darnell Mooney. 
And I think that that was interesting because we've seen uh, Riley Ridley this past year didn't have a big role in the offense. Uh, Javon Wims, the year before that, didn't have a huge role in the offense either. So, uh, you know, aside from Anthony Miller, you know, rookies under Matt Nagy necessarily haven't had uh, sizable roles in the offense. So for him to single out Darnell Mooney and say, hey, this is a guy that I want to contribute – I think that that's you know interesting, and I think that he brings a unique skill set to the table for sure. So I could definitely see the Bears trying to take advantage of that and use it uh, to some extent. Yeah, I was excited to see Mooney uh, in a uniform. He looks a lot bigger. Not that he got bigger, but he just looks bigger than I thought. I mean, you watch his tape, and, and he looks super fast, but he's he looks small. Um, and he's actually bigger than Taylor Gabriel He's taller and and bigger. I don't know. I don't think he's bigger in the legs, but it was nice to see him in the uniform. He didn't strike me as being so small as he looked in his two-lane tape. Um, and obviously, you know, Jimmy Graham looks really good, and um, Komet looks really good. And, you know, and so that was one of the things I was thinking this week is that, you know, like you you have specific upgrades and it's funny because a lot of them are the exact same number like jersey numbers so you have 94 for 94 you have floyd and you definitely upgraded quinn you know um and then you've got 99 and you had aaron lynch and he definitely i think even though he's a rookie and who knows what he's gonna be but i know you liked him you know coming out is that trevis gibson um, you know, I, I can't see how he's not an upgrade for Aaron Lynch, who brought almost nothing to the team. Um, you know, I, I think even if, you know, based on the depth chart that they're going to have, I think Travis is probably going to see some some time on the field. So he's an upgrade. Obviously, Shaheen, even though Komet's a rookie, I, I can't see how Komet's not an upgrade. And then, you know, you had number 80 in Trey Burton, and you replaced him with number 80 in Jimmy Graham. And and that's a significant upgrade in that the fact that, I again, I think Jimmy Graham is going to at least play all 16 games. Um, so, you know, if you're talking about a player who wasn't playing versus a player who's going to play 16 games, and I think it's probably going to surprise some people in, in Jimmy Graham, um, you know, that's another upgrade. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of upgrades around the field. And, and I'm also looking forward to the Tolliver and Jalen Johnson battle because I think Tolliver is going to give him a little bit of a battle. Um, I don't know that he'll win it, um, but but Jalen looks in, like he's in great shape, looks really big and strong. Um, and, you know, I think I think Tolliver's going to give him a little push and, and that'll be good. Yeah, I agree with uh, the concept that the Bears, you know, did improve at a lot of positions this year. I think that people give him a lot of slack. Uh, for their offseason because, oh, they uh, they added, like, 25 tight ends or, you know, they still have, you know, quite, you know they traded a fourth-rounder for Nick Foles and they could have had Cam Newton. And there's that whole narrative that they botched the offseason, and I absolutely disagree with that. I think that they upgraded a tight end position that was desperately needed an upgrade at. They brought in competition at the quarterback position, which can potentially – bringing an upgrade at that position. They brought in an upgrade at edge rusher. Uh, they brought in some, you know, talent along the offensive line. They, uh, you know, added potentially an upgrade at cornerback over Prince Mucamero and Jalen Johnson. And then they added edge depth too. Uh, so all in all, I do think that they got better. Uh, I don't know necessarily 
if the offense will be good enough for them to, you know, make the playoffs yet. Uh, but I think that's definitely uh, it's it's a possibility, especially considering how good their defense is. And looking the fact they went eight and eight with one of the worst offenses in the league, if they can improve even a little bit, cause even a little bit more turnovers, I think they'll be uh, right in the hunt there. Well, and then too, if you if you all you do is replace Javon Wims, you know, snaps with Ted Ginn, I think that's an upgrade too. I mean, I know Ted Ginn's old, but the the guy was on the field a ton for the saints and he had good production. I mean, we, we would gladly have taken that production on, on this team, you know, so last season. So yeah, they're none of the, like you said, none of them are like splash moves, but you know, you can't argue that there's been upgrades made all over the field uh, with regards to this team. Just you have to see how it pans out. Yeah. And that's we talked I, about, so I was just going to say, that's why I don't think those talks about, you know, four and 12, five and 11, six and 10, those discussions I've seen, I don't think those are warranted at all. It's simply because there's too much uh, talent that's ready to win now on this roster. And, you know, they did improve a little bit, even with a, a difficult NFC. I find it hard to believe that they're going to significantly regress. I can't see them regressing at all. And in fact, um, I think this on, you know, it, it's tough to say that these two words on paper but, you know, and you pointed out, Jacob, so well, their offense was absolutely terrible. And you can, and we've talked about this on several episodes. The Bears were literally two plays away from being 10 and 6 and being in the playoffs. And that's the, the running into the kicker penalty against Oakland in London and the missed field goal against the, the, uh, the Chargers in Chicago. That's how close this team was, despite the atrocious play by the offensive line in the quarterback position. And, you know, this team got better. And I can't I can't stress it enough that the job that Nagy did with a the limited cap room that he had and b the limited draft capital that he had, that he managed to to address Every single position, aside from running back, uh, because they didn't really do anything at at running back, and they're going into the the camp with only four running backs on the roster, one of which is is an undrafted free agent, and and Ryan Nall, you've got uh, got Cohen, you've got Montgomery, and I guess you can say four and a half if you want to consider Cordero Patterson as as a guy that can that can uh, you know play in the backfield. So aside from that one position group, there's not a place that he didn't upgrade. Look at wide receiver. Look at tight end. Look at quarterback. Look at offensive line. The edge rusher position. The defensive back position. Uh, you know, all across the board. They made additions to the roster that should make this team a better team. And despite the fact that Eddie Goldman has opted out, they've got to have one of the strongest front sevens in the in the entire conference, if not the entire league. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, I, I just look at 
the rest of the division, and I'm not, I'm not really sold on the other, the rest of the division having upgraded. I don't, I don't think any of them significantly did. Um, you know, you, you just, you, you can just look at the Lions, and I think most of that, you know, their status quo. I mean, I know the Lions made some acquisitions, and people will say, oh, well, having Stafford back is a, is a huge upgrade, I suppose. I guess. I mean. You know, they. I like their draft. Uh, we'll see what happens with it. You know, whereas the, the I mean, the Vikings lost to Fawn Diggs. You know, it's like, do we really think that uh, Jefferson's just going to step in and replace that? No, <laughs> there's just no way. So, you know, and and the Packers have have basically pissed off their Hall of Fame quarterback, and I, I'm sure he's going to play and do fine for them like he always does. But they didn't give him any help. And, you know, so it's like I, I don't I don't see any of the division teams have, as having really improved a whole lot. Um, so I think it's you know, I think the Bears could e- can easily win this division, um, you know, by just just putting together. I mean, I don't think anybody really expects them to all of a sudden have a fireworks uh, offense, you know, or to all of a sudden be the Chiefs. They just need to be respectable and score 22, 24 points a game consistently, whoever the quarterback is, and, you know, we'll be good. I think, I think the defense is going to be fine. Uh, I am looking into camp, though. I am pretty interested to see how the the depth at the inside linebacker position um, shakes out because that is the one area where I feel the – the the depth really falls off precipitously after Trevathan and Roquan. So, um, you know, that's that's one that I'm, I'm going to be looking at. Yeah, and to touch on your uh, comments about the divisional race, Aaron, uh, I definitely agree with you, uh, particularly on the Vikings standpoint, because you look at their offseason, you know, they lost Stephon Diggs and Justin Jefferson's a good player, but he's not going to replicate that production, especially not right away. Uh, and that's, you know, kind of the theme of Minnesota's entire offseason. I think for the future, they had an awesome offseason. I think they added a lot of young talent uh, who down the line will contribute. But I think right now they're relying too heavily on young rookies to replace proven veterans. And I think that that's going to cause somewhat of a regression from them. There's still talent there, no doubt, but I honestly don't think that they're the playoff threat. A lot of people make them out to be. And the Packers, uh, they're still obviously talented and they're, you know, the favorite to win the division for a reason, but they didn't really have a great off season. They didn't do a whole lot to improve uh, in the here and now by any means. So I think, you know, even though I don't think the Bears will win the division, I think there's uh, going to be an opportunity for them to at least compete uh, simply because of the general state of the division. And I think Detroit will be better than a lot of people expect. But again, I, I still think there are too many holes for them to be a legitimate division title contender. So it'll be interesting. I can really see this going down to the last uh, week or two of the season to figure out who wins the NFC North. And I think the bears have the potential uh, to be right in the middle of it. The bears have, um, uh, they, they finished their season uh, at Jacksonville. So uh, they, so week 15, they're at Minnesota week 16. They're at Jacksonville. They end the season on Sunday, January 3rd, 
at home against Green Bay. And that's your your make or break part of your entire schedule. They could easily go three and zero there, but you know it it all starts up front because when you look at the schedule, um, the middle of the schedule is absolutely brutal. So they they need to start quick. They they start the season, of course, in Detroit, and then they their home opener against is against the Giants. So those are two games they absolutely have to have. Uh, you know, it, Atlanta is not that far removed from you know being in the Super Bowl just a couple, what, three, four years ago, and there's still a lot of talent on that team uh, with uh, with Julio Jones and 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 Matty Ice, and now they've got Gurley. So that could be an interesting contest, and that's on the road in Atlanta. And then they come home to play Indianapolis. And then they have a, a, a back-to-back home games where they play Thursday night against the uh, Tom Brady-led Buccaneers. It's those five games followed up with a game in Carolina. So that six-week stretch, you, you realistically, you got to see this team do a four-and-two or, or pull a five-and-one if they want to be considered – as contenders for the division. Yeah, and I agree. I think that those uh, first couple weeks, I think that that's going to be a really uh, big stretch for them down the line because you take a look at that schedule. There are a lot of teams, a lot of matchups rather, that are kind of up in the air. You know, like you mentioned, the Falcons, they should be able to give them a good fight. I'd favor the Bears, but I could realistically see the Falcons winning that. The Colts added a lot of talent this offseason. Uh, the Buccaneers, obviously, they added a ton of talent this offseason. I you know, wouldn't be surprised if Chicago ended up losing that. And then you look at other games down the line, like the Titans. Uh, you can never count out you know, the possibility of losing to the Packers, the Vikings, maybe even the Lions once. Uh, and then the Texans, I think, is another toss-up as well in the Rams. Uh, just the fact I'm naming pretty much every single game on the schedule. I think there's going to be a lot up in the air. I think it could work out very well for the bears. I could see them succeeding with that schedule, but I could also see, you know, a nightmare scenario where they lose a lot of close games kind of like they did early last season. And that kind of comes to, you know, comes back to bite them later on, but it'll be interesting. I, I think that the bears have a lot of potentially winnable games and it'll just be a matter of executing on that. When you take a look at the Bears of last year, I think one of the most encouraging aspects of that entire season is, you know, they started off three and five, but they ended up eight and eight. But the single most important factor of last year is Nagy didn't lose the team. You know, you think back just a few years prior to that, when when the Bears were literally what 30 seconds away from from winning the division uh in Tressman's first year as head coach and you know Aaron Rodgers at, at in Chicago on the last weekend of the season had a, a game-winning touchdown drive where he completed three fourth down conversions including the game-winning touchdown uh and you know he all he had to do was win one of his last two games, and you know they they got beat terribly, um, you know because their offense was okay, but their defense was absolutely abysmal. And then the next year he absolutely lost the team. 
And then, of course, we had to endure the Abe Gibran-like three years of John Fox. Uh, and I don't know. I know that Aaron wasn't alive for the Abe Gibran era, and I'm sure I don't think you were either. But, uh, you know, I was a season ticket holder for the Abe Gibran era, and it was absolutely the most brutal time to ever be a Bears fan. So I, I think you got to give credit to that. And we talked to, you know, Nagy didn't come out and say that, but when you listen to him during the press conference, they talked about the how together the team was and, and the love that the organization has shown these players. There's this this bond uh, that, quite frankly, I really haven't seen the Bears have with their players. And I've been a fan since, you know, 1962. So it's it's interesting to see all of this going on. And, and Jacob, I agree with you. There's a lot of games on this schedule that could go either way. But let's hope that these games in health are on the Bears' side uh, exactly 180 degrees opposed from what it was last year. Well, and health is always such a deciding factor in the NFL, and, and ultimately COVID is just another uh, aspect of that this season. I mean, the, the teams that deal with this the best are going to be the ones that are on top. This is, you know, that's why, you know, people have said, oh, well, you know, is it a legitimate season if, you know, if teams end up losing star players because of COVID and you know, it's, it's just as legitimate as anything else in my mind. I mean, this is just, you know, uh, you, you had teams during the war that, 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 you know, the Steelers and the Eagles became the Steagles back in world war two and, and different things. And, you know, you have every year players go out on freak injuries and, and entire seasons change. So to me, it's every bit as legitimate and it's just a, another challenge. Um, and, you know, like you said, I think I think Nagy is the right guy to lead this team at this in this moment. Um, because there were there's plenty of Bears coaches that would have lost that team after the London trip, <laughs> you know, uh, last season. Um, and they, they didn't, he didn't. So I think he needs, he needs to get a good amount of credit for that. And, you know, I think one of the things that, um, you know, I think there's been a lot of talk about, but maybe not enough credit, uh, is, is given to is that I think in laser and DeFlippo, Nagy now has two guys that he trusts to give really strong input to what's going on. And I don't think that he had that with, and Castillo too. I don't think Nagy particularly trusted or loved Helfrich or uh, he stand much to be quite honest. Um, so I think, I think with laser DeFlippo and Castillo in the fold and, and the way he talks about them, um, you know, and everybody speaking the same language is, is going to be huge. Um, you know, ultimately the players make the plays, uh, as I think Nick Foles, you know, very well said this past week in their, in their presser. Um, but I, I just think, I think that they, the way the NFL is, it's one down year, one up year. And I think the bears are due for an up year and everything, you know, a lot of arrows are pointing up. Yeah. And I think that, um, going back to your point about, uh, keeping the locker room, I think that this says a lot about Matt Nagy as 
a, a leader of men and say what you want about his coaching abilities. I think that there's uh, you know, right to have some concern about that at this point. But I think the way that he's been able to turn this team around from a culture standpoint is nothing short of remarkable, especially considering uh, the fact that COVID's going around, especially considering the fact they're, you know, in the midst of a quarterback battle, they're coming off of a disappointing season. There's a lot going around that, you know, lesser coaches would crumble under, but Nagy, you know, to his credit, he's done a great job of, you know, sticking with it and keeping this team united and keeping them together. Uh, so I'm, you know, definitely impressed with that, especially considering how things were in the Mark Trustman era and, uh, you know, in the past before then, uh, to some extent. So I'm definitely, uh, I'm glad to see that things seem to be going well from that standpoint. Uh, and we'll see if they're able to turn things around this year, but I think at the very least I, you know, can appreciate the culture and, you know, the locker room feel that Nagy's put together. With what we've talked about uh, on today's show, Jacob, uh, and we really appreciate you coming on board with us tonight. Um, Eight and eight last year with a terrible, with a terrible offense. Um, Hopefully the, it all starts up front with the offensive line this year. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about the, the health of uh, Mitch Trubisky uh, we've talked about that on several, almost every episode. It's almost refreshing that we're not talking about the Foles Trubisky battle that's going to start here in, in a couple of weeks. But um, with the the improvements along the roster, do you have uh, give give us a guess of what you think the Bears' record is going to be this year? Uh, well, I can say that I don't think. Uh, like I said earlier, I don't think there's going to be any significant regression. Uh, I think at, you know, at the very worst, uh, I would say the pessimist is, you know, seven and nine, the optimist says 10 and six. I think I'm going to go somewhere in the middle. I I'm leaning towards seven with them. Uh, I could see eight and eight. Cause you know, like we talked, that could go either way. I think some games will go their way. There might be a couple that won't. Uh, so I think for that purpose alone, I, you know, I don't want to go super high and assume that every single one of those games are going to be wins. Uh, so I'll, I'm, I'm going to stick with nine and seven right now. I could see them going a little bit lower. I could see them going a little bit higher, but I think in that general area, uh, I think that that's where uh, the bears are going to end up. Aaron, what's your thoughts on the record? We've talked about this several yeah. times on, on the episode. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm, I'll, I'm, give you, I'll give you mine at the end here. Uh, I'm going to, I'm, I've been, I, I'm saying 10 and six. I think 10 and six is, is realistic. I do think that they make the playoffs. I, I don't know if they win the division, but I do think they make the playoffs at 10 and six. I think that the Bears record at the end of this year is 11 and 5 and they win the division. And these are the reasons why and we've talked about it. You you've got Quinn uh, opposing Mac on the other side. So you've got you've got edge rushers that can get to the quarterback on both sides of the ball. With that said, you've got uh, hopefully a healthy 
Akeem Hicks tying up uh, the, the, the offensive line to allow those edge rushers to get to the quarterback. Uh, you've got some aggressive defensive backs, whether it's Tolliver or Johnson on one side and Fuller on the other side. So their, their turnovers are going to be uh, back, maybe not to the level of they were in 2018, but uh, a far cry from what they were last year because they basically did nothing in terms of takeaways last year. Offensively, uh, you're you're going to have you have a you have a beefed up Daniels. You're going to have a new guy uh, at right guard, I think, in Effetti. Uh, you got Cody White here starting the entire year as the center. You've got um, this. I don't care who's going to be quarterback. I I think that that Mitch Trubisky. I still think that Trubisky is going to really shock. Uh, a lot of a lot of people in Chicago, especially the guys in the press who have written him off, I think he's going to be. Uh, uh, I think he's going to be the Mitch Trubisky that Pace thought he was going to be when he drafted him number two overall and traded up to get him. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, with with the uh, with Allen Robinson being a true number one receiver, with with Miller really taking the strides that he took towards the end of last year uh, and then the the rest of you know with the with, with Mooney and with Ted Ginn and with the the maturation process of, of uh, Riley Ridley how can you not think this team is going to be better offensively uh, and if they were literally two botched plays from making the playoffs in 10 and six last year, there's no reason why they can't be 11 and five this year and win the division. I hope you're right. Um, I, I hope you're right. I, I am. I just, I, as we've well documented, I just, I have a hard time gassing this team up very much on offense. Uh, I'm all in on the defense. Uh, I, I remain solidly unconvinced that this offense is going to be anything remarkable, no matter what quarterback uh, steps in. I like I like uh, Allen Robinson and I like uh, you know David Montgomery and I hope Miller can can rebound and and become the you know the, and live up to his uh, talent by staying on the field for the whole season. But beyond that, I have no idea what we have at offense. I mean, you know, Allen Robinson is is a solid receiver. Um, you know, definitely a number one. But I don't know what we have on offense um, beyond that. I don't think you have a lot you can really hang your hat on. So, um, <clears throat> you know, that being said, I think the team is well enough coached and has a good enough defense uh, that they that they can easily be, you know, be 10 and 6 and, and uh, you know, based on the competition they have should should make the playoffs. We've been joined tonight by, by Jacob Infante from Windy City Gridiron. Uh, you can find Jacob at Jacob Infante 24 on Twitter. You can also find his work at WindyCityGridiron.com. Jacob, is there uh, any uh, any articles you're working on that we uh, get to look forward to here in the next few days at uh, at the Gridiron? Uh, I did actually just do a quick little write up about the uh, uh, the Bill Barnwell article over at ESPN about the. Uh, like potential hall of famers on all 32 teams. 
I actually just published that roughly, I want to say like an hour before we hopped on this show. Uh, I do have a couple things in the hop. I don't know necessarily when they're going to come up, but I do have some things planned. I do want to touch a little bit more on this upcoming 2021 draft class a little bit before the you know season comes up. So expect a little bit more of that uh, coming from me before this regular season starts. Jacob, do you think just real quick, one question, do you think you're going to, we're going to see a lot more opt outs in college football? You know, um, obviously the, the seasons are starting to have schedules and things like that. But do you think, I mean, you know, if you're Trevor Lawrence, what's the point of playing, right? I mean, do you think that they're going to see um, more opt outs? Yeah, I definitely think that that's, a possibility. I mean, we take a look, Caleb Farley out of uh, Virginia tech, the cornerback was the first one to right. opt out and we're seeing Rashad Bateman, uh, the Minnesota receiver. Now Micah Parsons, the Penn state linebackers expected to opt out. Those are all legit first round guys. So it right. wouldn't surprise me at all. If we see a lot more opt outs, uh, especially considering the fact that, you know, they aren't getting paid. Uh, and if their draft stocks already high as it is, I think, you know, all things considered, it might be a, a smart personal business decision to, you know, decide and opt out, spend the year training for the NFL draft, you know, avoiding injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that there are going to be some people who, you know, look at this opportunity. They say, hey, uh, we have a, uh, you know, an opportunity for me to boost my draft stock. A lot of guys are opting out. This is my time to shine. Right. Uh, so I think that some of the guys who are, uh, like more recognized as first round talents. I could see them opting out. It would not shock me at all. If one of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields or Trey Lance, all the quarterbacks uh, that are top of the class end up opting out. But yeah, I, I honestly expect a handful more big names to opt out before it's all said and done. Who are your maybe top three quarterbacks uh, coming out of college for next year? Uh. Yeah, I would say in, in the exact order, actually, the three guys I mentioned earlier, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. I think uh, in Trevor Lawrence's case, I think that he's going to be out of the Bears league. Uh, Justin Fields, I'm also expecting he's going to go top five. I don't think the Bears will pick there. I think Trey Lance is a much more realistic option for the Bears. I could see him in, you know, still in the top half of the first round, but somewhere, you know, in the teens. Uh, I think he'd be a very good fit for the Bears offense uh, out of North Dakota State. And if, you know, any other guys, you know, rise up boards, I don't have any other, you know, quarterbacks with first round, you know, you know, grades right now. Obviously, my grades are far from finalized, but where I'm at right now, uh, it's those three in a big jump. But look for, you know, Jamie Newman out of Georgia, potentially uh, Brock Purdy out of Iowa state, you know, those are two guys also I could see potentially rising with the, with a good season coming up. So I mean, we'll see a lot can change between now and uh, the draft. I mean, look at Joe Burrow came out of, you know, essentially nowhere to be the first overall pick. So. And I, I, I'll be the first to admit, I never heard of the guy until last year. So um, let's take a, a, a trip back three or four years uh, you've you've been the the draft analyst at Windy City Gridiron for how long, Jacob? Uh, 
Well, I've been the lead draft analyst since like February this year, but I've been with Windy City Gridiron since like 2017. So perfect. So in 2017, who were your top three quarterbacks in the 17 draft? Uh, because, you know, when you take a look at, at what Patrick Mahomes has done, there weren't very many uh, draft analysts that had him number one or number two. Yeah, and uh, I'll admit I didn't have him in my top two either. I did like Patrick Mahomes a good bit, uh, and I thought he was a first-round talent, but I didn't see him you know, not only getting drafted as highly as he did, but succeeding as well as he did. Uh, I'll admit I did have Trubisky as my QB1. Uh, I had Watson right underneath him as the QB2. Uh, I, th- I had a little bit of concern with Watson over – you know, downfield accuracy and uh, as far as arm strength goes. Uh, and I like Trubisky's physical tool set from his size, his athleticism, his arm strength. Uh, he was accurate in college. And that's, uh, I, I was willing to overlook the, you know, the one year of starting production, uh, which I'll admit has kind of changed the way I see quarterbacks now. Uh, the fact that it wasn't, you know, North Carolina was good, but not necessarily great underneath him. And he only had one year in retrospect is a little bit of a red flag, but yeah, I had Trubisky one Watson two. I believe I had Mahomes three Kaiser four. I know I had Kaiser higher uh, at some point in that season. I have to go back and double check. Uh, I don't remember exactly. I'm pretty sure I had Mahomes three. I know I was high on him, but I was also high on Kaiser. So, you know, to some extent, I saw all four of those guys as potential starters in the league. So that's not a great look on my end. But to be fair, I, uh, you know, you live and you learn. And I feel that that draft class taught me a little bit more about scouting, especially from a quarterback perspective. Jacob Infante of Windy City Grand Iron has been our guest this week Uh on the Halitech Hall Show, Jacob, it's uh, it's always a pleasure to have you and any of your um, your colleagues from Windy City Gridiron come on the show. Uh, any last parting shots before we uh, we let you go? Uh, no, not necessarily. Uh, I'm just you know thankful for the opportunity to come on here and talk with you guys. Uh, I'm you know looking forward to reconnecting down the line and you know hopefully we have a full season to talk about going forward. Uh, but you know, I appreciate it very much. Uh, thanks for having me on and, uh, go Blackhawks. You know, I see we're tied right now in the last time I checked. So let's hope that. Yeah. It, the Hawks have been brutal. I'm actually watching, uh, I'm watching the game with the sound turned off while we're, while we're doing the, the podcast, but, uh, the Blackhawks have been absolutely brutal on the power play so far. They've even had a two-man advantage that they did nothing uh, in the at the end of the first period, uh, and they just came off a power play. And and uh, you know, 30 seconds later, the the puck was in the back of their own net uh, by a, by a blown coverage by their defenseman. So um, you know, here we are talking and. Uh, I was I was just gonna say I think the Blackhawks scored a goal, but it didn't go in. But uh, they're on a power play again, and, and there's 13 minutes left to go in the second period. They're tied at two. So, Jacob, thanks for being on the show. We will uh, we'll we'll revisit uh, you uh, again sometime in the near future.
Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on as always. All right. Thanks very much, sir. That was Jacob Infante from the Windy City Gridiron. Uh, before Rob, before we the, uh, we take off for the the week, Aaron, any last words that you have for us? Nope. Um, you know, just uh, I'm I, I have to say that uh, I'm feeling more hopeful about NFL football. So um, hopefully everybody can just keep doing the right things in the league, and um, you know we can uh, sort of just keep moving in the right direction and uh, keep that hopeful feeling going. I mean that's. That's really, uh, you know, my my uh, my hope for this upcoming week is just another good, um, you know, feeling of practice. Um, you know, I was kind of feeling <clears throat> missing uh, Bourbon A today because, you know, normally it's hot in August and today is like 70, 73 degrees down in Bourbon A. And I was like, man, <laughs> it figures, you know, that we can't be at training camp. And, and here it is, you know, this beautiful weather. Um so, uh, you know, just, just kind of hoping that uh, we, we get to see some, some good things to look forward to in the next couple of weeks. We can, we can definitely only, only hope. Um, you know, weather has been pretty decent in Chicago the last few weeks. Uh, we did have a hot stretch, but, um, you know, my parting shot uh, for tonight is, is this. I hope that the, the youngsters on these rosters are really being guided by the veterans, uh, not just on the Bears, but every NFL team. And I hope they can learn from what happened in Major League Baseball, not not only with the Miami Marlins, uh, but the St. Louis Cardinals as well. One little mistake, uh, and you put yourself in a, in a situation where you're exposed to the virus, you bring it back to the hotel room and now you've exposed four or five other guys and then they expose a couple others. And, uh, you know, it just, it's, it just is an absolute mess uh, that could, that could set your entire team back by one short sighted little mistake. So uh, I hope that these, these uh, rookies, uh, you know, one and two year veterans really took, I mean, Yadier Molina, of the St. Louis Cardinals, one of the, you know, could be a future Hall of Famer. How did he contract this? You know, there was talk that uh, some of the, some, a couple of players visited a casino uh, when they were, I believe in, uh, you know, the, 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 wherever they were before they were coming to Milwaukee. And that's what started this exposing some of their teammates to the, the coronavirus. And here we are where they lost a week worth of games. Uh, and hopefully the, 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 when the Cubs play them this Friday, the, they'll be able to play uh, the entire series. So uh, hopefully that everybody uh, in any sporting venue, uh, you know, any sport, whether, you know, obviously you've got the NBA and the NHL in bubbles. You've got the, the Major League Baseball. Uh, and there was literally talk of, of canceling the season because of these two outbreaks. And hopefully we've all learned from that. And hopefully the, the entire NFL has learned from this as well. And we, we do in fact have a season in 2020 with that. Uh, my name is Michael Halitech. I'm, I'm the co-host of the Halitech Hall show. 
uh, my partner and co-host and producer, Aaron Torricelli. We'll see you next week.